All right, so week one, as strong as that, this series is a topic about God's love, the love of God. And not just about, I'm not just going to preach to you like, oh, you know, the love of God is so tender. And is so, I want to get deeper with the love of God. I want you to have a greater understanding about it. It's not just cliche. I want to start with Song of Solomon, chapter eight, verse six through seven. That's the theme for tonight. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, he his offer would, uh, would be utterly scorned. The title of my message tonight is Marked. Marked. Week one is called Marked. Okay, maybe, maybe... I'm just, I want to go out on a limb here. And if nobody has one, that's okay. Does anybody have a tattoo that's meaningful? And if it's in a different body part, I'm not doing it because we don't need that. Nobody else? Where is it? Okay, come see. I need you as an illustration. Get on the stage. Get up. Okay. So I want to talk about tattoos for a second. Not that, and now everybody has their own personal opinion about it. I'm just showing you as an illustration. So what's the what's the meaning what's the meaning on this tattoo? Make it short, make it brief, make it like my really. Birthday, my mom and dad. My mom was against tattoos. My dad was for it. And mm. I asked my, asked my mom on my birthday. She made a joke and she said, "Let's do it." I thought she was joking. Right. They made an appointment, and for my 16th birthday, they got me the tattoo. Wow. And this is the most meaningful meaningful gift right. my parents has ever gave me. Wow. Ever what is what does it represent? I'm guessing it's like Jesus and it's a lion. A lion of. Of Judah, mm-hmm. it's it represents me that I'm a part of that because I have blue eyes and the lion has blue eyes. I'm, yeah, it symbolizes my faith right. in God, and that's that's the meaning behind it. It's stuck in my skin; it can't come out just like God is stuck in my right. Skin. It's not right. Right. All right. Thank you. All right, y'all, give a hand clap for Alex. So the reason why the reason why I ask that about a tattoo. And and Alex, great meaning. That was a that was a really good meaning. That was that was perfect. That was perfect for what I'm about to talk about. You actually pretty much preached it. But one of the things, like like, have you ever seen someone that like they would just want to get a wild tattoo? And I'm like, bro, that's gonna look horrible when you get old. That's gonna just look saggy. Like it's gonna it's not like I've seen I've seen I've seen like the wor- like I actually Googled it the other day because I thought of the illustration, and I have seen they have there there are some horrible tattoos. Horrible tattoos. One, one of, I think one of them was like SpongeBob riding a bike with like uh, um, blowing bubbles and stuff like that. And then as the dude got older, it just looked like a really long like popsicle stick. Like it was, it was ugly. It was so gross. So like when people make a wild tattoo, they're just like, oh, screw it. Let's just do it. I'm just going to have like a really fun looking tattoo. And then when you have a weird looking tattoo, you're just like, I regret this tattoo. This is the worst. The worst tattoo I've gotten. Now I've gotten I've never gotten a tattoo yet. Yet. Not now. I gotta consult with this woman over there. So <laughs> so so like like Alex said, tattoos have a meaning. And it's like being marked. Right? Like like if it's like um if it's like a, the name of someone maybe that you've lost or 
or maybe it's um, maybe it's a tattoo about something that that reminds you of an event in your life that that you won you had victory over. Whatever the case is, tattoos ultimately have that meaning about you know being marked. They tell a story, kind of like how Alex was. It told a story, it got its point across, and it was powerful to understand those things. Like that means a lot to to Alex. And and one of the things that that I've learned, and because it's in a similar way. Because, because in a similar way, we are also marked by the love of God. And I don't just mean like, 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 oh, God's, you know, love is in the air type thing. No, God's love is marked on your heart. God's love has been with you ever since you were born. God's love has been with you even before you were born. Before your parents even had a thought of having you, God's love had always been with you. And you're marked. Even a lost person sometimes is marked by the love of God as well. Because all of us were created in his image. But obviously because of Adam and Eve, we all fell into sin and we got separated from God. That happens. But but the love of God is, is marked on you. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, God marks you. And one of the one of the biggest things that I've learned about being marked by the love of God is that it's almost like it's there, but you have to make a decision to let it be there. Because it's already there. The love of God's already in you. If you feel like God doesn't love you, you're lying. Because God's love has always been with you. The problem is, is that his love sometimes is misplaced. Sometimes his love in our life is actually misplaced more than it is just, oh, he's not there anymore. We misplace it. Or we let the situations in our life misplace God's love. And that we're still marked. You're still marked. But you've misplaced God's love. Like sometimes how we misplace our faith. We don't lose our faith sometimes. We misplace it. And that's the, that's the question I want to give to you is that, do you really believe and understand that you are marked by the love of God? Do you really understand and believe? Because for some of us, it's like, yeah, I've heard this a thousand times. I heard God's love a thousand times. But then for some of us, we just, it's just like, it's just really difficult right now. I can't really believe God's love. Because you've heard a lot about God's love. A lot. A lot you probably hear it more on Pinterest than you do on the pulpit. You probably hear it more on social media than you do from a pastor. And you hear it in different other areas. But I want to show you tonight through a couple of points of mine. And I want to show you, I want to show you through points in scripture that how marked you are by God's love. The first point that I want to say is that God's love sets us apart. God's love sets us apart. There's a song by Capital City Worship. It's a song called Lean Back. It's a very popular song. Maverick City did it as well as a cover. And the song talks about how how your love is better than all the others that I have seen. And what that song's meaning is that is that I have experienced love from people. I've experienced love from pleasures of love from things. I've experienced love in different areas. But he's saying nothing is greater than the love of God. Nothing is more precious than the love of God. Nothing is more tender 
than the love of God. Nothing cares about you more and makes you more secure more than the love of God. Nothing is a lot more safe than the love of God. His love is better than the others that you might have seen. Now, if you've seen another love better than that, then point me to it. Because sometimes we think the things of this world that we think that love us, it's really out to get us. And it's really out to destroy our minds, our hearts, our emotions. It, it, it tends to bring us down darker paths. But God's love, like Song of Solomon just mentioned, it's as strong as death. It's as, because death is powerful. Death is sin. Sin is death. Death is one of the most powerful stinging things that the Bible talks about. And and God's love destroyed it with Jesus at the cross. Love as strong as death. And sometimes it's hard to comprehend it. Because how how can God love me when everybody else around me hates me? It's a very hard concept to believe and to keep for yourself because you're so used of being hated. And it's like, how can God, if people who I look up to don't like me, how in the world can the, the, the creator of the universe love this? How? You're marked. You're marked by the love of God. There's no running from it. Whether you're saved or lost, whether you're uh, living for the Lord or living in sin, it doesn't matter. God's love has always been marked on you. It's always been marked on you. It's always been there. It's always been in your heart. But we, in our human tendency, misplace God's love. And we misplace our faith. And we misplace all of these things. Jeremiah 1.5 says... I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Because God loved you so much, he set you apart before you were even born. That doesn't, now it's just not just like, you know, because when you think of set apart, you think of like, oh, God's setting me apart. Of, of the world. That's also, that's true. But also God's love is set apart from everything else. That's why no other love works because he sets himself apart. Those things can't satisfy what God satisfies. His love satisfies greater than any other. This is the reason why people struggle with sexual temptation. This is why people struggle with feeling desire because core needs are met in sin. And when it's met in sin, it's caused to, for you to feel shame because your core needs should feel fulfilled, which means to be loved, to be valued, to be nurtured, to be appreciated, all of these things. But it's being met in the wrong place. So now you're finding love through sex, but it's not really, you got to go back to it over and over and over. And it's causing you to feel darkness and it's causing you to feel shame and it's causing you to feel these things. It's causing all of this backlash in your heart. Y'all tracking with me? All right, I'm making sure because y'all goofy. God's love is marked on you. And that's why you can't get real satisfaction from other things but God. Because you got to run, you got to thirst, you got to torture yourself to get to a point. But God's love is already in you and it's already supplied in you. 
so that you don't have to run to other things. What do you mean by that, Jacob? Instead of running to sexual temptation, run to God. Uh, What? Yeah. It's choosing what is your master. What do you surrender to? Because if you're surrendering to that relationship, instead of, instead of surrendering to God who can govern that relationship, you're going to have a hard time. Very hard time. Because nothing really satisfies because you're not marked by the world's love. You're marked by God's love. You're marked by something that has already been installed in you before you, were, before you ever came out of your mother's womb. That was already in you. That was installed in your spirit. That was already there. You're marked by God's love. You're set apart. Not just set apart from the world, but you're set apart from other loves. That's why when, when you love someone with the love of God, they, it, they, they think it's different than the world's love because the way you love them is a lot different the way the world loves them. The world loves through acceptance and not telling it how it is. God's love is bringing you in even though we know what you do. Even though someone knows what you do behind the scenes, behind the door, all of these things, that's marked by God knowing that if I fail, if I'm willing enough to go boldly to the throne of grace and he is willing and just to forgive me, that's being marked by God. That's God's love. God's love is that you have made some horrific mistakes, yet God's love was still marked on you before you ever came out of Yamada. Before you ever came out of your mother's womb, God knew you, God formed you, God created you, God put you on here. He marked you with his love and that is settled. You know what sealed means? It means finished. It, like when they would make a, uh, when they would write a note and they would put an envelope, they would put a stamp to seal it. That means the note was done. That means it was already in form. There was nothing to change the note. He didn't have to add another uh, PS. Da, 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 da. No, he didn't have to do that. When you seal an envelope, it's done. It's finished. God's love is like a seal. It's sealed. It's finished. But no one else can take the love away. But a lot of us sometimes, we misplace God's love. And now we don't feel marked anymore because we listen to the hatred of others or we listen to the situation thinking that God hates us because of the situation we're in. And we just, oh, we bawl. And we, and we, get, and we get upset about it. And we see, but that's not proof of not being marked by God. Job was marked by God. Like Oriana talked about. He was marked. God called him his faithful servant. And the enemy went to the throne room and said, and said, I don't like how you do it around here. I don't think your people are that faithful. He said, have you considered my servant Job? He's a faithful servant. Basically, God was saying, you can mess with Job because I already know how he's going to respond. I already know that he's going to praise my name. I already know that he's going to call me faithful. I already know he's going to call me his majesty because he is that faithful because Job knew that he was marked by God, 
that he was marked with his love, that he was marked with his protection. Not protected in that moment physically, but his spirit was protected. And that he was marked by the love of God. Job knew it's not your situation that shows you that you're not marked by the love of God. What happens is that it's sometimes, because people can come around, situations can come around, all of this stuff can come around. The only person that can take away that love that you experience is your own self. It's your own self. I'm taking this. I'm about to take this thing off. I'm okay. Bring me my mic. Bring me other. I'm about to end though. God's love is not gone when situations happen. God's love is not gone when people treat you wrong. God's love is gone because you resist it and push it away. Because you let situations dictate God's love for you. You let people, what people say about you, dictate God's love for you. You let everything that this world does. That's why he says we've got to be set apart. Because if we're not set apart, we're going to be just like the world, complaining and crying and wailing and freaking out and letting all of this stuff let us know that the love of God's not there. That's why he says that we're set apart. That's why we're set apart. Not because of the situation. You want to take this? Just take the pack. It's not because God's love is gone because of what's going on in your life. God's love might be gone because you might have misplaced it in your life. Because he still loves you. He's still still going after you. But it's your decision to open your heart and, watch this, be obedient to his love. And that's our problem. We We will not obey especially if it's uncomfortable. Y'all, y'all think I want to go on this Puebla, little Puebla, Puebla trip? In the beginning, I didn't want to go. In the beginning, I didn't really want to go on this trip. But let me tell you something. It changed for the better because I got to experience something. Whoa. I got to experience something that not a lot of people experience. His love sets us apart. His love sets you apart. And if you don't realize that, that it might be your own decision and your own doing that might separate you from the love of God, then you got to examine your heart. You got to examine your motive. Examine that. Instead of trying to blame others and try to blame God put me in the, no, no, no. You got to ask yourself, where did I put God's love in my heart? In the first place. Where did I put it? It's like faith. We misplace our faith sometimes. We put our faith in other things rather than God. And and we act like we want to blame God for us losing our faith. No, you misplaced it. Sometimes we have to examine and reach that accountability in order to receive. Like I told you all, we didn't complain on the trip. All we had to do was I was was like, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to what you're about to do in Puebla. And he did it. He did it, and I got to witness it, and I got to experience it because I didn't let complaining get in the way and put me on the back on the back bench for me to see God's miracle. I was there in the front row seat, y'all. I was on the field. I was making the touchdown. 
God was letting me catch that touchdown. He let me see the miracles because I was obedient. Obedience brings that miracle. God's love sets us apart. That's why other loves don't work. That's why other pleasures and satisfactions don't really work. And you got to keep going to it. And as you keep going to it, it doesn't satisfy. So you ask for more and it gets worse and you get more and it gets worse and you get more and it gets worse because it's not God's love. It sets you apart. It sets you apart. And we got to understand that. We got to understand that. Song of Solomon, what I just read you in, in chapter 8, verse 6 through 7. Song of Solomon is a book mostly overlooked because it's like a romance book or whatever. Like, I'm not going to read that. I'm not even, I'm single right now. If I read it, I'm going to get aggravated. So I'm not going to read it because I don't got no man. I'm not going to read it. But it's a representation of God's love. There's a song. There's an old, two, like late '90s song. The some of y'all really, most of y'all probably don't know this artist. He was a Christian artist in the late '90s. I think it was it was a duo. His name was Aaron Jeffrey, and some of y'all might know him. He was he was a really good Christian artist, and he there was a song called "He Is," and they would sing from the Old Testament to the New Testament who God was in the song. It was like a seven minute song. And he said in Song of Solomon that God, he would describe God in one word. And he said that God, he is the lover's dream. And he was talking about how Solomon was a lover of his wife. He loved his wife, but God was the dream. And that's what I want some of us to get to that point where God is the dream. Not just your purpose, not just your calling, not just your relationships, not just your, your what the stuff that you want. I want God for us to be the dream. That's how we surrender, is knowing that God is the ultimate prize. And that's what his love is, is his love is the prize. And it is sealed on our hearts. As Song of Solomon said, it is sealed on our hearts for us. The seal means that something is settled, it's decided, it's finished. Y'all remember that Steve Wonder song? Sign, seal, deliver? Okay, sorry. I, I remember there was a video, some old, really old men, like it was like an old man boy band. I don't know if y'all remember this, but like I remember that video when I used to go back to OSC and they would play it on the Sunday service. And I'm like, this is the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was the worst thing. But the song is cringy. As cringy as the song sounds, it's true. It's signed. It's sealed. God's love is yours. God's love is ultimately yours. And you get to keep it for yourself. But also, not just keep it for yourself. Let me backtrack. You have the opportunity, as the gift of the love of God that it is, you get to extend that to other people that even sit in the row of your chair. You have the opportunity, now that you have the love of God, you can give that to somebody else as well. And we are very consuming people that we don't really understand how to give love because we just sometimes we just want the love for ourselves or we still haven't experienced that love yet for ourselves. So when something is sealed, it's final and it's marked. And it shows that God's love is marked. That's my second and final point. God's love marks us. Now, Okay, Jacob, you told me all about God's love. How do I apply that? 
John 13, 35, Jesus was telling his disciples before he went to the cross, he said at the Passover, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we are loved by God, we love others. End of story. That you, If you are marked by the love of God, you can't help but love other people. You can't help but love the broken. You can't help but love that one who is hurting. You, you can't. Now, does that mean you have to like people? Yeah. I don't know. But God's love should affect you enough. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. The blessing wasn't for Abraham. The blessing was for everybody else as well. That was the point. We think blessings are just for us, but the blessing is really to bless others. It's the same thing with God's love. If God's love it truly marked me, if I'm truly marked by the love of God, I will learn to love other people. What does that mean? I'm going to learn to care about what they care about. I'm going to learn to tell them what it is, even though they might not want to hear it, but it's the truth and it will set them free. Love from God is not like how the world treats love. I'm going to accept that person, even when no one else does. The love of God, if it marks you, you're going to want to mark other people with it. But God's love can go dry when there's a lack of spending time with him. Your love might be in poverty because the juice of the presence of God is nowhere in sight because you have not given the time of day to spend time with him. You have not given the time and the effort, not the effort, let me backtrack, not the effort, because you can't do enough to get God's love. God's love is already automatic. But there are things in your life that you can do being at his feet, spending time in his presence, praying to him, talking with him. I'm going to do a whole series on prayer, talking with Jesus, reading his word, How can you expect God for you to experience God's love if you don't love him back? How can I experience the love of God if my spending time with him is dry and there's no nutrients coming from it and I'm just sitting there just just asking where God is and God's like, where have you been? Where have you been all this time? This whole week, you were worrying and freaking out while I was there, waiting on you to call my name, but you didn't. But you didn't. And now you ask God, Lord, where have you been? Where have you been? Where's my jet coffee, Jesus? Where'd it go? We ask and ask and ask and ask but we never get to a point where we stop and it's like, I'm just going to praise you, Lord. I'm just going to let my heart soak in your presence because that shows that we compliment God because we don't want him for what he does. We want him for who he is. So his presence is who he is. And when we spend time with him, it fills us up. We get edified in the spirit when you spend time in his presence, whether it's sitting down or your face, face flat on the floor, whatever you do. Whatever your your preference is, spending time in the presence of God means that you're going to get filled up and get edified and get joy and get peace when you spend time with him. I think that's some of some of our dry places is God's presence is not there because we don't spend time in it. 
we think that everything is just auto, it's automatic in the moment. God, that's the gift when you get saved. That's the gift. God just automatically gives it to you. But it's your job to be a good steward of it. You have to be a good steward of your prayer time. You have to be a good steward of reading the word. You have to be a good steward of worshiping him from time and time again. I'm not saying you got to have an hour long session. It doesn't have to be like a youth service, but it has to be a moment where you get in the presence of God. Give him five minutes, but you got to be willing. You've got to be willing. It doesn't take what? Oh, God's not here. I can't feel it. I can't see. Uh, uh, no, no, God's not here. No, no, no. You stay there. And you, what I talked about a couple weeks ago, you need to stay consistent. You need to stay consistent in doing what the essential Christian life of what you need to do. Talking with God, getting in his presence, receiving peace in his presence. It takes time, but eventually your present time with God will change. That's being marked. Being marked is having the desire to spend time with the Lord. It's spending time with Him that it works. You know how you hear the expression, hurt people, hurt people? Well, loved people, love people. Loved people, love people. Doesn't mean they, that that person that you love walks all over you. Doesn't mean that that person that you love gets to tell you everything that's on their mind about you and they get to be trash to you. No, no, I, I get behind me, Satan. That ain't going to happen. You're not going to talk to me like that. But there's a point where you got to still love that person because it's about in your heart. And it's about treating them the way that you would want to be treated. It's the same thing as being marked by God. Little story before I close. There was a time where, where there was a season where I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel appreciated. I didn't feel like, and me and my pride, I was like, you know what? I'm not needy. I'm not going to ask for love. I'm just going to sit there and just let it, let it, let it, let it come. Well, it never came. And one of the things, and this was back when I was, when I was in your seat, I was in, when it was called fusion, I was here. And, and I was really not feeling loved. I felt like I was forgotten, that I wasn't seen. And, and I forgot who it was. And someone had come up to me and I think, I think I forgot who it was, but he said that he wanted me to sit with him. And I sat with him during the service and, and he would ask me to hang out with him on the weekend. So I would do it every once in a while. And, and it got to the point where, where he was telling like, I love you, man. Like I brought you to, to my place because it's just I, I want you to know that you can hang out with me and all this stuff and feel like you you know if 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 you don't have anyone else to hang around with you can you can hang out with me and all this stuff and God's love was on this guy because it wasn't it wasn't a love that was just like oh he was just being friendly this dude was serious about developing me. This dude was serious about loving me even though I had made the dumbest mistakes like we do. And he loved me no matter what. That's the love of God. Is seeing someone who genuinely cares even when nobody else doesn't. And the love of God is in that is in that place. It's in you. It's in you. 
I don't care what you say. I don't give a rip about what you say about yourself. God's love has marked you. But have you misplaced it? That's not messing back there. Have you misplaced it? Have you put something else in front of the love of God? Have you put the love of that relationship in front of God? Have you put the love of everything else, all of this possession in your life? Have you blocked it yourself? Have you blocked it? We all have to ask ourselves that question. And I want you to know that God's love is always there and you can always run back to it. No matter what has happened, you can always run back to the love of God. Here's my final application. Choose to receive God's love for you and in return, begin to love others. How do I love other people, Jacob? Read the Bible. Read how others in the word loved people. And you will see how to love others because some people comes organically, but for some people, they're just like, never done that before. And you have to learn for yourself in his word, how am I going to love others? We are marked by God's love. But if you've misplaced it tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to put it back where it belongs. With every head bowed and every eye closed, tonight it's the time to choose and receive the love of God. Because some of you, when you're not loved, you do things. And when you do things, you do things out of dysfunction because you do not feel loved. You do not feel appreciated. You either use anger. You either use jokes. You either use other things to block because you can't deal with what's, go- with what's going on in you right now. So you use other things. You use other jokes. You use other anger issues. You hide with anger, but you're really scared. And now you're having to live not being marked by God, but you can be marked tonight. You can be marked where you sit because God's love, no matter if you're lost or saved, it's inevitable because you will experience it one way or another, whether you come to him or not. You will experience it in a little way as you're lost or in a mighty way when you're saved. You can experience that. Tonight, he wants to let you know that you're marked. But maybe you ask now, you're like, Pastor Jacob, I, I don't think I'm marked because I don't think I really know who Jesus is. I don't think I've truly surrendered my life to him. I don't really live for him. I really just live for me. And I want to give you that opportunity tonight. If you're in this room and you, you are either wanting to receive Christ or maybe you've known Christ and you've walked away and you want to rededicate I want you to, I want to give you an opportunity. I want you to know something that when you receive Christ and when you surrender your life to him, the mark is stronger than it was from before. And it is more dominant than it was from before because it is so contagious and it's so powerful and it captivates you when you receive Christ. So if that's you, if you it's like, Lord, I need, a, I, need a, I need a surrender because I think that's my problem. I think I'm not surrendering. I'm just giving you bits and pieces, but I need to really surrender tonight. If that's you, if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. 
I see your hand. Slip your hand up. Because the Lord wants you to know, wants you to experience his marking. He wants you to experience the mark that he has on your life. the few that raise your hand, you can put your hand back down. I just want you to take a moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, I I surrender my life to you. I know that you are the Christ. I know that you died on the cross and I know that my, my sins can be forgiven. So just ask the Lord to forgive your sins and ask him to wash it away and ask him to come into your heart and ask him to be Lord of your life. Ask him. It takes no longer than five seconds to ask him. Lord, I need you to, I want to surrender my life to you. Ask him that right now. Ask him that. Ask him. Ask him. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to talk to the second group of people. Y'all thought I was finished. Nope. There's one group of people. With every head bowed and eyes closed. There's one group of people you're having a very hard time feeling like you're marked by God, that you're marked by his love, that you're marked by his mercy, that you're marked by his strength and his joy and his majesty. You have a very hard time believing that. I think the Lord wants to break that mindset tonight. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I see your hands. Three, raise your hand. I'm having a hard time with this. Very hard time with this. Keep your hands raised. I want to see it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you raised your hand, I want you to come up to the altar right here. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. I want you to come up to the altar right here. You're having a hard time being marked, feeling like you're marked by God. I want you to come right here. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for revealing your love towards the ones, Lord, that are willing to receive. Father, I ask, Lord, that as we go home, that we know that we are marked at church, we're marked at home, we're marked at school, we're marked in our workplace, we're marked with our friends. Lord, that we, that we, that we are the ones that you love. That because of Christ dying on the cross, we are, we are the ones that you love and care about. We have access towards you. So Lord, I pray that as we go home, as we go back to school in the morning or go back to work in the morning, I pray, Lord, that, that, that the marking of your love will be all over us to where we can extend love to others that might need it, Lord. We don't know who needs love, Lord God. I pray that you would guide us to who needs it, to who needs that love. Let us be a living vessel of your love to where we can share it with others, to where they can experience your love just like we do. I thank you, Lord, that you can give us that and that we don't have to run, try, grab, and run, thirst for it. Lord, it's already there that we just got to command it, Lord God, that you that you are with us, that your Holy Spirit is governing over this mark of your love that is in us. 
Father, we ask for this. We praise you for this. We give you all the glory and honor and the praise because it is you that does this, not us. Not us. This is your work. This is your great work. And we shall be glad in your great work. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you for your blessing and favor to follow us home like tonight. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray.